It's been a rich time of worship. I said it at first service. Alex uh, broke a sweat again on his face here for second worship. So uh, anybody that's serving the Lord that hard uh, just gets me excited. So appreciate you, Alex, and everybody that helped lead us into the presence of God. As rich as our worship has been so far, these next 30 seconds, though, may be the very best part of your day, maybe even your week. I want you to greet somebody close to you, or maybe you need someone to come to you if you can't stand up, but I hope that you will greet somebody, and as you do, say one thing that is true, and that is, God loves you, okay? You got 30 seconds. Ready? Go. You guys, you guys did that well. It is always a good sign when I have a hard time reeling you back in. It's a good sign that you love each other as well. So, But it's true. God loves you. Jesus died for you. And you have hope in the resurrection. Amen? So again, good morning. I am here because I want to encourage you to continue joining us at EEM as we provide Bibles with your help, with your prayers, with your giving in 36 different nations and in 27 different languages. Thank you for what you have given financially in the past. In 2021, you gave 3,000 people Bibles. That was the equivalent of $15,000. From 2020 through early this year, You've given 5,500 people Bibles. That's $27,500. And even more over the last, what, 15 years, I believe, that you have partnered with us in prayer, in giving, and I hope that you'll share with others who may not know about this opportunity. This fall, I'm praying that you will give more than ever, not just to Bibles through EEM, but, but through everything that you're doing locally and globally as well. And each year, God is opening doors to new people. I think we have a slide, yeah, here. You can see not every uh, group can say this, not every nonprofit or church can say that their fundraising efforts or their contributions went up right through COVID year number one. I kind of call it COVID year number two. May there never be a COVID year number three. But then, as we saw last year, 1,966,043 Bibles and books were able to be given with your help and a lot of other people across this nation. And on top of that, we couldn't say yes to all of the requests. We actually had several hundred thousand requests beyond that that we simply couldn't say yes to for lack of funds. So praise God for record years, but... um, We have a problem that we're working and praying as hard as we can to solve, and that is people waiting in line, ready uh, for a Bible in their own language. Uh, We started this year with quite a waiting list. As you just saw in the the video that we watched together, we have just kicked off the Hope Campaign, Bibles for 800,000 people at our cost of $5 each. Uh, to publish, print, and distribute one Bible costs us about $5, and we give them free of charge. Uh, But that means $4 million 
to try to get God's Word to 800,000 people by the end of this year, December 31st. So join us in praying for that opportunity to share the Bible with someone who has never actually owned a Bible in their own language before. There's more information about EEM that I brought just for each of you. Much rather have you take it home uh, from the table on the foyer than for me to pack it back up uh, into my trunk. Uh, But we also have some sample Bibles if you want to see what a Russian or a Slovenian or an Arabic Bible look like, or some of our teen Bibles, some of our children's Bibles that have illustrations. Take a look at those. And as you do, just be praying for all of the people receiving Bibles even today in the countries that we serve together with you. Would you please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6? We'll have this couple of verses on the screen as well in the New Living Translation, but you may want to read it, compare it in the translation that you have. Hebrews chapter 6. Starting in verse 18, it says, Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. And Jesus has already gone in there for us. Now, if we were first century Jews, or even Gentiles, we'd have a better understanding of a lot of this information. But we, we can hear, even as 21st century Americans, something that is powerful, talking about a soul anchor that is trustworthy. For over a year, and Sue, I think we have a different picture with that 5511 podcast. We, we have started a podcast, we call it the, the 5511 podcast, named after Isaiah 5511. Uh, That passage says, uh, my words make things happen that I want to happen. They succeed in doing what I send them to do. That's the easy to read version of Isaiah 5511. And one of our recent interviews on this podcast was with Dasha Novakova, our Ukraine country director, uh, whose picture is right there. And in the interview, Dasha talks about her mother and her daughter and the three of them leaving just a few days before the war broke out a little over 20 months ago in Ukraine. You have a member here that is from Donetsk, Ukraine. Dasha and her family are from Donetsk, Ukraine, about the easternmost part of Ukraine, uh, terribly, horribly wiped out by the war and even back in 2013 as well. But Dasha rarely talks about herself. You can hear some uh, of the interview where uh, she's asked, how was it for you, for your mother, for your daughter? But in typical Dasha style, she wanted to talk about other Ukrainians. And I'll just read several paragraphs from that interview text. When Ukrainians flee their homes because of the war, and I think we've got that picture of that man now, Sue, There we go. When Ukrainians flee their homes because of the war, they have to go to a different place, and they are totally alone. Nobody cares for them. And what do you do when all you have 
is a backpack. Sadasha so says, this is when volunteers and churches step up and reach out to these people and provide help. We are working with them. We are providing financial assistance. We are providing Bibles for them. In the winter, when there are blackouts and there's no electricity, no heat, no water supply, what do people do? They gather together and try to stay warm. The more people, the warmer it is. Such a simple thing that we forget about. But people are forced to adjust, she says, and they take Bibles and they read them with candles. And we're receiving amazing pictures of people reading Bibles with candles. And this next part, as Dasha says it, I think it could be us saying it even more so than her. She says, and of course, as we are in a safe place, she's in Vienna, Austria now, safe. She says, we think this looks so nice. This looks so cozy. This looks so peaceful. But no, it is not. It is people who are down. It is people who are not doing it because it feels good. They are doing it, she says, because they have no other hope. They have nothing else but this group, this candle, this Bible to read and get strengthened. If you want to hear the rest of that interview, go hear it on our podcast and our website. But did you hear that line when she says, they are not doing it because it feels good. They are doing it because they have no other hope. I want to avoid painting some romantic picture of the Ukrainian people here. But please understand, right now in Ukraine, it is hard. It's hard in Russia for many Russians. Now, Ukraine is decimated, but we have employees on our team, Russian employees in Russia, Ukrainian employees, some still in Ukraine because they're men and they're conscripted to stay. But their world is shattered and broken. Many are suffering deep-set trauma and depression, intense emotional pain and grief because of the war which began over 20 months ago. They are in desperate need of hope, the kind of hope that will anchor them, a hope that leads them to a place of refuge. They are literally fleeing their country, their homes, into the presence of God. Few of us here in the United States can understand the depths of the pain and the tragedy that Ukrainian people are enduring. And yet, as Dasha points out, they are holding on. And wherever Christians are present, people are finding Christ's hope. In this case, in a group, a candle, a Bible. They are broken but they are drawing strength from Christian community, from the light of God's love, and from the written word of God. Meanwhile, here in the U.S., we have a complicated situation. Most of us are not experiencing anywhere near the suffering that Ukrainians are. None of us likely feared drone attacks or incoming missiles last night. Most of us eat and drink plenty, sleep in our own beds. 
We have our own homes, our own apartments. Nearly all of us are blessed with physical safety and comfort. And yet, in our own country, according to a recent LifeWay research study, almost 70% of church leaders across many different churches in our country said that their churches are filled with a growing sense of fear. Fear about the future of the nation and of the world. On top of this, 63% of these church leaders say that their churches have a similar increasing dread and fear about the future of Christianity. That fear is replacing hope. I've seen it. You have too. In social media, maybe after church assemblies, in small groups, in discussions with, with fellow believers, we, we see the fear in people's eyes. We hear it in their voices. When we lament declining church attendance or that, that, that once powerhouse church that we hear is closing its doors, we are painfully aware of preacher shortages, leadership scandals, and the list goes on and on. We wring our hands in fear and we double down on solutions that never worked in the first place. We think that if we'll just hire the right preacher who's the right age with the right skill, that everything will take care of itself. That if we could find that right children's program or really energetic youth leader, the perfect marketing strategy or evangelistic sales pitch, or if we could get the right political leaders elected. If I'm honest with you, those things never really worked. While over in Ukraine, in the middle of life-threatening devastation, God's people are looking for hope in a group, in a candle, in a Bible. And when push comes to shove, and it has in Ukraine... They band together for encouragement and then they get up and they go out. And rather than worry about numbers or church programs, they find ways to go out and serve other broken, troubled people. They find resources, they feed the hungry, they bandage the wounded, literally, and they love the crushed and the desolate. And if they don't do that again today, someone will die. And when we ask them why they're doing it, we ask our ministry partners who are giving this aid and giving Bibles, why do you do this? Many similar answers to this one that Sergey responds with. We do it so that people will see Jesus Christ in us. So they will see him. People are going through tough times. The Lord will keep them and comfort them, Sergei says. He will give them hope. So in Ukraine right now, they're not looking for church growth programs or trends. They're not losing any sleep at night thinking about the future of the church. They just have a group, a candle, a Bible and love for their neighbors. 
They're not worried about the future of Christianity or the state of the church. And it's not just in Ukraine. We see it in Bulgaria, a church of rather poor Roma Christians. And they're poor, but they're out feeding orphans and widows every day, serving drug addicts in their community, putting a roof over a young widow's home, and asking us for Bibles so that they can keep sharing the good news. We see it among people in Bosnia. I recently had the chance to meet Bronco, a Christian leader in Bosnia, who you see here on the screen. As we talked for several hours with Bronco, he said, we are in need of Christian materials and the USA has far more options. Such a luxury. He said, it's the opposite in Bosnia. And war has opened hearts to God's word. How precious it is when people ask for Bibles instead of aid in the middle of a war. So if I haven't stepped on your toes yet, I'm about to try to right now in my own as well. Is it possible that in our efforts as American Christians, in our efforts to grow bigger churches, that we forgot that it was never our job to give the increase to that gospel seed after it is planted in someone? Is it possible that on the way to a new shiny church building, that we forgot about love, that we forgot about trusting God for all that we have? Have we forgotten that God is responsible for the growth of His church? We have a calling as His disciples, right? We are called to plant that seed of the good news. Every opportunity that God gives us to water that seed. But who makes it grow? It's God who makes the seed grow. So please don't misunderstand me. There are no perfect churches in Ukraine, in Bulgaria, in Bosnia. We all have our problems. We will always struggle with our humanity. But we need to take our eyes off of the things that we fear and start focusing on Jesus, who is truly our hope. Amen? With our focus on our Savior who died for us, we will naturally then show compassion to a crushed and broken world, here locally and the other side of the world. And I understand it is easy to get bogged down with dread. It's easy to get caught up in a social media feed that wants to suck you in with all kinds of fears. It's easy to allow a vague sense of panic to take up residence in our souls. But one of the most repeated commands, perhaps the most repeated command in all of Scripture, 365 times God says, do not fear. Don't be afraid. In its place, God says, we have hope. Not a maybe and, and odds might be good enough hope. It, biblical hope is a confident expectation. It's something that is a trustworthy anchor for our souls. Back to Dasha's 
statement. The situation in Ukraine is not comfortable. It isn't easy. It is hard. But they are looking for hope. And what do they have? They have this group, this candle, this Bible. How does that work? We know it's not some magic formula. We certainly know it's not a legalistic way of trying to live out our faith. It's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us in chapter 6. God has thrown us a lifeline, a soul anchor. And if you skip up to Hebrews chapter 12, just a few verses there go further. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. God's telling us a whole lot through just those four verses. But without a doubt, one thing he is saying is to recognize and listen to this community of faithful people around us. And we typically think of people who've gone on before us that are cheering us on now. But it includes the person to your left and to your right. It includes the person right behind you, right in front of you. Hopefully that feels encouraging. But it also includes you. We are called not to tear each other down. We're, we're called to cheer each other on, to say things like, you can make it. Don't quit. Have hope. You have a trustworthy anchor for your soul if you have said, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. God also calls us to throw off all of the extra stuff that's weighing us down. I don't know what yours is, but we each need to know what those extra things are. The distracting periphery of stuff. You ever been to a, a track race where all of the runners get in their lanes and they're getting their hamstrings loosened up? They have taken off the outer warm-up suits the sweatpants, they are stripped down to the lightest shorts, the tank top, and the $750 shoes you got to have to run as fast as you can. And they are listening for the start of that race when that gun goes off. They have removed everything except what is absolutely necessary for the race that they are running. We are called, God says here in this scripture, we are called to become lean in our approach. And our example is Jesus. 
and he's already gone before us, and his example is perfect. He serves the physical and the spiritual needs of his community and the world. He got rid of everything except what was absolutely necessary. So I'm here this morning, if nothing else, to say, fix your eyes on Jesus. Maybe you've done it before, but you've gotten distracted. Fix your eyes on the champion who initiated and perfects your faith. He is the trailblazer who has already run the course. And he looked straight into the face of what he knew would be his own violent, horrible death. And he chose to stay the course for you. Can I get an amen on this? The world needs hope. We need hope. Ukraine needs hope. Russia needs hope. Israel needs hope. Palestine. Everybody on this earth needs hope. We need to let go of our fear and trust the one who has gone before us. I pray for all of our partners, individuals and churches. And one of my prayers for you this morning is this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you, Cross Point, completely with joy because you trust in Him, whether the AV works or not. <laughs> His hope still is available to you. And may the power of the Holy Spirit overflow you with confidence. If you want to give your life to Christ this morning, I know the leaders of this church will be happy to welcome you into the best and most consequential decision you could possibly make to become a disciple. Whatever your need is, uh, please go as we stand.